Welcome to the Best Work Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Henley-Smith. The goal of this show is to uncover the personal stories of successful software engineers, founders, thinkers, and leaders who are all navigating their own working journey. Finding our best work is often a hidden journey, uncovered through an ongoing conversation with ourselves and the world around us. Every one of these episodes is packed full of timeless ideas you could apply to your own life. In this conversation, I speak to Emma Walker, an engineering manager at health tech startup Accurex. My conversation with Emma focused heavily on empathy. Emma discussed with candor how a chronic illness that has become a disability has made her more empathetic and brought her closer to doing her best work. Emma's health has obviously shaped her approach to decision-making with regards to work, and we talk about how that looks for her. She also draws an astute distinction between purpose at work and in her broader life. We discuss why working in something close to your heart increases your risk of burnout, and how to identify the right working environment for you. We can't connect the dots looking forwards, only backwards. And Emma's story is a timeless reminder that authenticity is the only career any of us should pick from the outset. You don't sound like uh, you were born in the UK. Your earrings are uh, the bus shelters uh, that are, are of another country. Uh, what, what happened? So I was born in Australia. Uh, so although my accent isn't that strong, my parents are both British and I always wanted to come to the UK and live here um, and experience that side, um, which has been really good because of such a thriving tech scene in London. I come from Canberra, if people know that's the capital of Australia, but it's only got around 500,000 people. And so it's still relatively small, especially compared to London. And I think for me, tech has become so much about diversity and, you know, coming into London, that was a great way of widening my perception of the world. And I thought that that was where I kind of wanted to grow and that's why I moved to London. When was the first time you made a life-changing work decision? I think it would be in Australia. So I was working in a public service department. Uh, I'm not sure of its name because they change names so often in the public service uh, that you can never keep up. And basically we had the equivalent of GDS starting up. So the government digital service started up in Canberra um, called the Digital Transformation Office. And I had an opportunity there to lead a team, um, delivery lead a team to deliver um, on this kind of uh, secondment 20-week project, which was in the space of business and trying to solve real problems that people were having in that business space. And it was life-changing because I got to work with people that just opened my perception so much. I wouldn't be here in London if I hadn't done that. Um, but also it took me out of my comfort zone um, and into a place where I just wasn't familiar. We kind of had a lot of different people from a lot of different agencies coming together, 
with this really tight deadline of 20 weeks to go, show us what you can do. And by the way, you're going to be working in uh, this approach, which you might not have fully done before. Um, things like user research, I had never done before. And in my first week, we got a quick training session and I suddenly found myself in Sydney somewhere with a colleague in a man's house talking about problems with setting up businesses and in the end, he started showing us like his illegal video recording collection <laughs> at the end. Um, and I just went, how did I get here? This is amazing. And it was just such an eye-opening thing where, you know, going out, getting out of your comfort zone and then going, actually, this is like widening my perspective of the tech world and also reconnecting with the people who actually use the technology. And I think it's very easy in tech to sometimes forget who your actual users are and you have to be really deliberate in reminding people who our users are, who are we actually doing this for, um, which I think is really, really important. So if I hadn't had that experience with the learnings of working with people that had done really well in GDS in the UK and kind of helped me progress in my career, I, I just don't think I would have um, been in London right now. When you first came to London, you joined Red Badger. How did that come about? So I holidayed a bit here um, before that. And then I kind of said, actually, I'm going to make the move. And I ended up interviewing over here on one of my holidays and then continued a bit of the interview process as I got back to Australia. And then I got the job and then decided to actually move over to work. Interesting. So you tried it, you were here, tried it out, and then it, you, you minimised the risk all over the place. I am definitely very privileged because I have a British passport. So I kind of knew that I, I didn't have to like worry about tying to a company with any visa thing. So I'm, mm. I was really privileged mm. in that, that space. But I also wanted to just be deliberate about whether it was the right company it wasn't just about moving over it was about moving over to do more meaningful work and to get more exposure of the things I'd already been exposed to in Canberra. What does it mean to be deliberate when you're choosing where to allocate your time? That's a really good question uh, probably something I don't do enough but for me especially with time I always remember people saying to me if you're saying yes to that you're saying no to something else and I always think about that because I'm always like okay I can say yes to this but I've said no to that is that where my priority should lie um and having that conversation with myself then enables me to go okay yeah that is where my priorities lie and I've, I've made the right choice or actually I haven't why haven't I made that decision and it could be because I'm scared about something like moving to another country is still quite intimidating and new and you know you worry about oh what if I don't like the job or what if I can't find a place to live or what if I just don't get the British culture um so I think for me it's about examining those reasons and making sure that you're you understand the trade-offs and going actually for me with the information I have at this time this was the right way to go do you proactively go through an examination process there like what are you doing in that moment to examine the different aspects of the decision that you're making 
uh, I would say my values is probably the biggest thing that I rely on. So, and saying, okay, well, do these align with my values and my purpose? So, um, something for me and a big reason why I chose to work at Accurex now is I felt that that aligned with my work could align with my values more and you know meaningful work is such a big thing for me that that motivates me and so that decision making process I'm like well if I say yes to Accurex and no to something else what would that mean and for me it's like well actually looking at that this aligns with my values this does this this does that that's that's the decision that I want to go ahead with. But I would very heavily rely on my values and my purpose. Why was it that it was a health tech company that resonated with you in that moment rather than something else? Um, I've been trying to, I've been looking at health jobs for a while and just keeping an eye on it. Um, I think Going through the pandemic in England or has was an experience. Um, I spent some of that in Australia as well. Um, and it was just healthcare is such an important industry, pandemic or not, that it's anything we can do to make that better is something that I wanted to get into. And I guess I... About five years ago now, um, I got diagnosed with a chronic illness um, and that changed my life as well. It meant putting up limitations that I didn't have before. It changed the way I approached work. Um, It's now become a disability because of the way that it's impacted my life. Um, And that means that I, you know, I have a different kind of lens into health tech as well and uh in something like um, in Accurex's case where they do a lot around communication in that patient-centred um, design, I have experienced so many times where I haven't been able to navigate that health system in a way that's actually benefited me um, and it's meant that I've stayed sicker for longer. It's meant that I haven't, you know, I haven't been able to make appointments at certain times um, and I'm in a privileged I feel like I'm privileged and I can't even imagine for those who aren't as privileged as I am in some regards what they're going through. And so everyone needs healthcare. How can we make it better for everyone? And that really, really motivates me. To what extent does having a disability and a chronic health problem enable you to do your best work? Having a disability has forced me in some ways to become more empathetic I think Mm. because disability is one of those groups that could happen to anyone you can join at any time of your life right tomorrow Mm. someone could have a disability where they didn't have one today and I really reflected on a lot of the the expectations that I had on myself um and really thought about whether I was applying an empathetic lens um, to people, different people's situations um, and trying to just understand people more. And I feel my disability forced me to slow down quite a bit, um, my, my mobility uh, as well as kind of um, 
brain tiredness. There's only so much time I can work until I get too fatigued and I have to stop. Um, and knowing that that was the lens that was applying to me, I felt I could then relate to others better and it kind of gave me that really it made me question more and it made me go, what are the assumptions I've had in my head around people that are actually, they're not fair and I need to ask more questions to understand that um, in a different way. And I didn't do that enough before I became disabled. And when you were deciding where to work and whether to join Accurex or not, do you think that your own relationship with uh, your body and with your own health in some way changed the weighting scale that you that you used when you were deciding what parts of your um, of your kind of what you wanted to do next and and how you're making that deliberate decision like d- did it increase the the weighting somehow absolutely um, it increased the weighting a lot especially in healthcare where we who are our users in healthcare there's going to be a lot of people that are you know long-term sick have chronic illnesses disabled etc if you don't have those voices in a company that are developing services for people that need it um you're going to miss out on insight you're going to you know not understand them to then be able to create services that are inclusive that are thinking about those things and that to me was a real draw about Accurex because I felt like me having a disability was actually a real bonus to the company and I felt like the waiting for me was like, actually, this is going to be not only they're going to understand me more, but like I can do really good things here because the people that we're serving are people that I like. I feel that mm. I can relate to some of the situations, not all, but some of the situations they may be going through and actually could improve those services as a result. It's an interesting thought that if the people who were currently working at Accurex had gone through or went through a similar thought process where if they themselves had had challenging uh, health problems and had they would therefore relate more closely to the user and then the join, then in some ways you can almost get a sense of what that culture might be be like it might be more empathetic and it might be more aware of our own health uh and it's almost as if you can self-select the mission that you want to go on because you know you'll care about the customer but in an odd way you will then know that i might have a sense about what this culture might might be like because of it too absolutely and i think one of the things that i was um we've just moved building so um, we've just moved into quite a large building from our uh, last office because we've grown. And the way that we then tried to put that accessibility lens on the new building, so uh, there are a few constraints that we couldn't work around because we were kind of inheriting an old building. Um, but, you know, the fact that we cared about the accessibility of the building, not just for our current employees, but for people potentially that could join in the future, um, that to me is uh, that to me is something that I really value in a company that we're open to these mm. conversations, that we understand how we can help try and make everything more inclusive. So it was a real draw. 
What are the downsides to doing purposeful driven work? I would say that probably burnout is the biggest one. And I know people describe burnout in different ways, but I think if you're really passionate about what you're doing, for me in particular, it's hard for me to sometimes stop at the end of the day and not think about work. But then especially I have limited energy supplies, I could then end Mm. up, you know, burning out as a result because um, that can you know, that can get quite overwhelming if you kind of get debt or uh, you're taking energy from the next day and then eventually that energy is going to run out and you're like, ah. Oh. Um, hmm. I think also if you should always be able to do meaningful work and purpose, but your purpose should also lie away from work as well. You need a balanced life. So, you know, I've got balance in other things of my life that work's not the be-all and end-all. And I think if you're passionate about something, it can, there is that fear that it could sometimes encompass too much of your life and you need to go, hey, actually, remember, I've got this I need to invest time in, this I need to invest time in, and um, that's a good way to get perspective. I find I do that quite often by um, going out of London. I feel it's a really good way to get more perspective and balance. Um, and as soon as I kind of leave that, that London bubble, I feel like, ah, oh, okay. Remember there's other things around and like, that's a really good way I found of kind of trying to, mm. to remember that your work is meaningful, but it's only one lens and one part of your life as well. Other than choosing to work for a company that aligns with your purpose, yeah. how else have the, health challenges that you've been through improved or enabled you to find more clarity on on how you've found your best work and pursued your best work? It's been an interesting journey. Um, I think I've had to try and understand what works for me versus what works for previous me and also what works for other people. Um, and find ways that I can potentially balance out um, the way. Yeah, sorry, let me think about this. This one's a hard question. It, 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 it sounds like almost you like need to be, it's hard enough being self-aware as it is, let alone if it's like kind of forced upon you like that. Yeah, and I think maybe other people would say this but especially if you've kind of gone in in for me I was like really um you know I would pull a lot of long hours in Australia I would you know and suddenly my body was saying that that you can't you're limited now um actually you used to be really good at um doing this actually you're having difficulty with that now because you've got brain fog or you've got tiredness etc or you used to be really reliable and come to work very often and now suddenly you're having sick days that you never used to have um and then you're worried that what does that mean for people being able to depend on you and being reliable I think there's so many nuances and obviously this is just one kind of experience around a chronic um illness um that in some regards I've had to go okay well this is what it looks like now 
how do I how do I be okay with it myself? Because I'm still kind of letting go to like, why can't I do that anymore? Um, and then going and it's this is okay, and then ensuring that others I have an environment that says this is this is also okay, and we're confirming that that's okay. Um, and finding ways to work with it as well. Um, at my last role, I at my last job, I I used to have compressed hours, which was a really good way of um, helping me manage my my time and my energy. I think. What do you mean by compressed hours? So I used to work ten day ten days in nine. So every fortnight, I got the Friday off. And what I found really helpful is that. There's a lot of things open on Fridays um, that, you know, it's one of those normal kind of normal work days. And so I felt I could do a lot of chores stuff there, get through that um, and then use the weekend to kind of refresh and socialise and do those things that weekends should be about. Um, When I wasn't doing that, I sometimes feel like the weekends are a lot more chores and um, that and it doesn't give me that time to like refresh after um, which I need now um, more with my um, chronic illness. That's really interesting. I'm conscious that I don't want to ask you too many questions. About- <laughs> no, it's okay. Uh, the one thing I would say, though, is like I definitely think my decision-making is my purpose, but my work is not my purpose, if that makes sense, just to mm. clarify, because I think yeah. um, it, it's very – I feel like I want them aligned to what I want to do in life and the impact I want to leave. But I definitely mm. feel like work is just one lens of that. And I really think a, a lot of it's a great distinction to make between using purpose and your decision making, but not necessarily letting that purpose rule the your working day to day. Yeah. Is there a reason why you, why you choose that? It's because you want the want the balance in some way, or about using purpose in that way, or just, yeah. just like just, why not go all in on it? You know, because I think maybe this is where my health has um, impacted. That you know, work is just one lens of purpose, right? And if things start going wrong, and you've only got one thing, like work. Hmm. And things don't go the way or that you want them to. They're not running as smoothly. It's very hard for you then to come back and say, hey, I'm still doing well in life, et cetera, if you've just got one mm. things in one bucket of work, right? So that's why mm. it's part like it should align with what I want to do in life and it should align with my values, but it's not my reason for being, if that makes sense. Our working lives are all more guided by our parents than we would care to admit. Um, have your parents played a part in the type of work that you pursue in any way? Good question. Um, so not directly um, with the work that I do, but I would say there was always expectations on me from school onwards to get uh probably uh, to get into something like like IT or doctor or scientist etc so one of those more academic jobs sorry does that sound bad actually now that I've said that 
but uh, more, I think that they, 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 it's a really good question. Maybe I should. They didn't have a, yeah, so in terms of getting into um, IT, they didn't have a direct influence in that, although uh, a funny story that uh, we did have someone from uh, one of the early kind of copywriting software companies, I think it's, uh, they actually moved back to the UK, but they stayed with me when I was a kid. And so, like, they created their software company, sold their editing software to, um, like, the American Defence Force. And so, for me, we had a computer growing up and we were able to play around with it, which was fantastic. Um, so, that was always a bit of, like, they've always been quite technical savvy, which is why, you know, I wasn't unfamiliar with getting into tech. But I think um, they would have been happy with anything that I they chose to do as long as I, I guess they felt that I was enjoying it. Mm. That's such a polite answer. I feel Just... like there's things I could say that uh, I think it's a really hard one, a nuanced one when it's your parents. Um, yeah. You know, and also I think it shows a bit of bias that they have towards certain careers or certain things and you know you could say your parents always want you to have a well-paying job right uh, and they want but that's out of hopefully care they want the best for you yeah the, yeah because they want the best for you so mm. I think one thing that I'm glad about is that in tech and I think this might be a motivation for a lot of people is that because it has a good salary you feel like you are going to be able to support yourself and then support others if you need to as well so there is that feeling of like actually I I'm feeling quite independent. Um and I think I think financially independent, I should say. And I think that's something that um tech enables a lot of people to do. Um which is good. It's also it looks okay to our parents. Yeah. Like it it's not like we're choosing the particularly road path rogue path it's rel relatively cut and dry in some ways yeah i yeah it's such a like i have to think back on lots of stuff but it's just there yeah it's it's a very nuanced <laughs> answer i think are there any other thought experiments that you apply or have been helpful to you that have helped you work through big decisions like deciding where to work in the past I think one of, so now I would say my health is a big factor in how I make decisions. So is it going to be an inclusive environment? Are they going to understand about disabilities? Um, are they going to work with me um, to make sure that I find the environment inclusive? That's, that's something that um, is definitely weighing on my mind now. Um, I think also going through the decisions, it's really important through the hiring process. Um, I found that going through the hiring process gives you a really good indication generally of what the company is going to be like to work at. Um, I remember one place that I interviewed at that there was one interviewer which had spent a bit of the interview making me feel bad that I'd didn't necessarily know the answers or had the answers that he wanted. 
um, that was something that ultimately led to me saying no to that role. And I think that's really important that if the interview or, or the hiring process doesn't make you feel comfortable and you have a think about why that is, that's probably a good indicator that that might not be the right choice for you. And in this case, I'm, I'm really glad I, I didn't go there um, because I think if they're doing that to someone that they, you know, is going through an interviewing process, I don't know what it would be like to work with them. Um, so, yeah, I think one thing I would say is even if I going through the interview or the hiring process is a really good decision maker for me as well. How do you balance when you're going through the conversations, this search for perfection, but at the same time, this kind of understanding that it's never going to be perfect? Uh, Like, how do you know when something's just good enough to be able to make the decision because very rarely do we go through an interview process and feel like it's been perfect. I think one, I am always, how did the interview process make me feel? (laughs) Which sounds a bit strange, but did I Mm. feel like I enjoyed meeting the people? Did I feel like I had transparency at that stage? Um, You know, it might not have ran perfectly, but um, a really good example of something that happened to me in the Accurex interviewing process is that it was just about the time where um, it was launching AccuBook, uh, which is um, booking your COVID-19 vaccines. Um, and basically I I was supposed to be doing an interview with Lawrence, the CTO, and he just got like the AccuBook kind of came. <laughs> it was a very busy time and he wasn't able to make that interview but he actually sent me an email just saying, I'm so sorry about not being able to make the interview. You know, like I'm looking forward to catching up soon, et cetera. And there was someone else doing it as well. But just the fact that he had reached out to me um, and this CTO of a company in the middle of a pandemic launching like a vaccination booking system for COVID-19, he had a lot of things on his mind and just to know that he had time and had prioritised reaching out to me to apologise to not be in that process, I thought was something that really um, made me feel important and valued and my time was valued even if I hadn't been hired yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that that, that was, uh, I, I feel like that's an important thing. How did that make you feel? I also think that people should press more on the interview process. So if I'm not decided have I met my line manager or my potential line manager? Because uh, I should be able to at least meet someone who is teed up. Um, have I met my other team members that I would be working with? I think as someone who is interviewing, it should be okay. It is okay to ask um, to learn more about a company as well. That if you have thoughts about why am I nervous about this, actually it's because I'm not sure of this aspect. How would I find out more? Um, so I would ask. Um, and I think the way that companies will also reply to those requests will also give you another good insight into the company itself and help your decision-making process. You use the word feel there. Yeah. And um, someone might say, you know what, when you're making such a important big decision in your life, you should kind of throw that like a emotion out the window 
and like make a more rational and a more informed decision why do you think that you pull to the way that you feel rather than the way that you think when you're making that decision because i think that i'm all for listing out trade-offs and being quite logical for it but in the end if my feelings are saying something it's usually because i've had an indication that i haven't been able to verbalize and uh it is an indication that something isn't right here and that's why I will use it. It's, I think it's the combination of the two. But I definitely think that if you're in something and you're feeling like, actually, I haven't felt respected by this or I haven't felt included in this, et cetera, that, that to me does play into that logic part, right? Trade-off, you know, they don't have any, there's something there saying this isn't an inclusive organisation to work for and that's something I value in an organisation or there's something else that's giving you that signal that that's not the place that you should you should be working. What steps do you take to try and understand the inputs that you can't verbalise? I would generally try and discuss it um, with someone that I trust. Um, and a lot of the time it might be them asking me a question to go, oh, that's why I felt this way. Thank you. I can now, <laughs> I can now verbalise that. Yeah. Um, I think... So I use peer peer support um, to do that. I'll also try and see if there's something uh, that might have impacted me in the past and it's making me uncomfortable and, like, think about that and go, actually, I've got other indications that this wouldn't happen, so that's how I would make the decision. So I think always having someone trusted to talk to who can actually ask you the hard questions and actually give you an opinion even if you don't like it. Um, I, that is very, very valuable, especially when you're making a decision about places to work. And is that typically, is that a friend? Is that a family member? Is that an acquaintance? Like what's been the perfect person for you? Uh, it's actually been a combination of a few. Sometimes it's Let's all get on the same Zoom call <laughs> and like all talk about it. So it's definitely, it's depended on the job and some of the context. So I will get, so for decision-making, I would be looking for someone in my industry. So a colleague, maybe it was someone I worked with at a previous job. Maybe it's someone um you know, that I look up to and I have as a mentor, I would be talking about it with them because um, I feel like they can provide a lot of insight around that career aspect for you, which your loved ones might not be as um, be able to provide that same type of feedback. Um, are these people that you know anyway or are you kind of? These are people that I know anyway. I think one of the, the like one of the really um, fortunate things I've had is that, um, I, I think every job I've been to, I've left with like trusted colleagues from there that I still keep in touch with. Mm. My first graduate job, I still have friends that I talk to regularly from when I started. Um, and for me there, there are people there that I can go, this is a new job. This is what it would look like. What do you think? Mm. And then obviously for that personal aspect, you talk with your loved ones, your partner, you know, um, getting that, 
how do you think you'd feel going to this job and kind of more that uh, they know you in a different way so they're not even just looking at actually this um, job may grow your career in these ways but it's actually I think mm. well, you'll really enjoy doing this aspect of the job that really aligns with what mm. you know um, or even things like actually is this going to be too full-on um, job right it might be uh, there's expectations that um, you travel a lot or something else and your loved ones are going to have a better insight into you there to be able to give you advice and maybe ask mm. those harder questions. Mm. So I would use a combination of both. Have you ever had a circumstance where you've spoken to those people in order to try and verbalise the inputs that you can't necessarily understand yourself and you've ended up with everyone agreeing with you? No, I don't think I've had everyone always agree with me, but I also think I've had to make some tough decisions because some of those jobs mean living in a different country and I don't think I've aligned people on uh, everyone being in London or in Canberra. So Mm. um, I think I, I also value their perspective, but it kind of doesn't matter if they agree with me or not unless it's personally impacting them. So I want to understand their viewpoint and I I value that. But I think if someone said, I I don't feel like they would tell me no or yes, they would just give their insight and it's up to me to make that decision because the impact is on me. What role has reading played in your search for finding work? I think that's a really interesting one because of the way I think information's changed now. So I'll do a lot of reading, but I'll read a lot of blogs. I'll read a lot of tweets. I'll, I have books that I uh, want to, like, uh, I'll have to, you know, understand more about certain topics. But for me, some of the real learning now is is understanding more from forums like Twitter and having a diverse set of people that I will read and follow um, or and, you know, subscribing to certain newsletters and blogs, which I feel um, doesn't only help me better at my job at the moment but it also helps me understand those outside perspectives and, again, helping making those kind of important decisions, whether it's looking for a new job or whether it's how to make the career that you've got at the moment better, um, I think that's that's also due to um, I think the information overload that we kind of have at the moment as well and trying to get focus time for reading. I found that the best way I have for consuming knowledge at the moment is those kind of more shorter takes which then go, oh, that's really interesting. How can I find out more? Yeah. Um, perhaps my final question is how do you day-to-day practically balance both the inner kind of gut feelings that you have when you're making these decisions and those feels and the the kind of external knowledge that you can get from places like Twitter and from knowledgeable conversations with your friends and peers, where do you find the meeting ground between the two in order to make the right decisions? I think it's all about understanding the different perspectives. So some of the people that I will follow on Twitter actually don't have 
uh, I, I would say that I would actually disagree with quite a lot of what they say, right? But I need that perspective to see the other side. And I think day to day, it's for me taking in data points and kind of going, cool, that's from there. That's maybe some of the bias they may have. This is from my loved ones. This is some of the bias they may have. And this is from somewhere else. This is the, some of the bias they have and putting it together, but understanding some of like where they're coming from with their opinions and then thinking, what is the decision that's going to be authentic for me? Because I think very often in our career, we're told, oh, you need to do this more. Or um, one example would be, oh, you're having um, maybe there's a, a colleague that you're potentially um, conflicting with on some like some aspect. And one suggestion would be, oh, go out for a coffee or do something like that. For me, that might not look the same way. That might not be authentic about how I would um, navigate that Maybe for me, it's like, actually, I'm going to pick a piece of work and we're going to work on that together and get to know each other that way. And for me, it's around like getting different data points, but then going, what's going to be an authentic decision for me? Because at the end of the day, I have to live with it. I've just tried to get a nuanced view to then see how I, how that applies to me and, and what looks um, true to me. Your story is like... Uh... As authentic as uh, you are. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. I really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. And um, in some ways, it's really special to like us off the record. But like, just hearing your, I don't know. Like, life gives us certain gifts at certain times, doesn't it? Yeah. And um, I recognise that it's there. Are, there's a large part of that that is not a lot of your life that is not necessarily feel or see like is like like he's a gift yeah um but it's so wonderful to talk about it in such positive like beautiful light um i really do yeah, feel privileged special. like it has definitely i wouldn't be here again where i am now without having that experience and going through it and mm. yeah again i'm still a very privileged person like i i acknowledge that privilege so um mm. yeah it's it's definitely a good like it's been great like even having more empathy for others like for me that is such yeah. a great gift that I can put myself in other people's shoes more yeah. understand different issues I I wouldn't have done that before and you are you are living your truest life hopefully <laughs> like, there's, no, there's, there's no debate <laughs> Well, hopefully. I mean, I could always do better. I will definitely say I can always do better. Ditto. Ditto. But thank you so much. No, it was so much fun. The Best Work Podcast is produced by the team at Cord. I'd love your advice on how we can make sure the Best Work Podcast is having a profound impact on the way we all pursue our best work. Email me at bennettcord.co. You can also find a transcript of this conversation, insightful video content and more at cord.co slash insights. Thanks for listening.